Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with Comic Sharon Spell. Sharon Spell, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm doing fine because I have Sharon, Sharon Spell on the Skype. Hello. Glad to yeah, be here on I, Skype. Oh, yeah. And I have her all across my social platforms. I have Sharon Spell on Instagram and Twitter, and she's SharonSpell.com. Yeah. And she's just, I mean, she's just rocking the festival circuit, like even during a pandemic. <laughs> she is. She, she's got what? Her script has been accepted to four fucking festivals. So I want to hear the premise of this fucking thing that's taking the film festival <laughs> circuit by storm, even during a pandemic. It's got to be something related to death and grieving. Uh, well, if you know me, you know my brand, and it's death and grieving. Yes, uh, I expect <laughs> nothing less than Sharon from Sharon Spell, uh, death and grieving. Well, yeah, yeah, what's the script that's just taking the fe- the festival circuit by storm? Well, it's, it's called "You're Doing Great," and it's based on one woman showed that I wrote based on my experience of my parents passing away, and uh, this happened in 2011. They died 18 days apart from separate causes and I went home to Mississippi twice in a month as it turned out to bury my parents and then I came like I should have just stayed home right (laughs) I mean you're like that's a shitty joke Brian thanks a lot no I'm uh I'm I'm yes ending your shitty jokes so good (laughs) like a true comedian I'm yes, running toward the danger, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, mother, my mom fell into a coma, and then uh, my mom had diabetes, and my dad had Parkinson's, and that summer, like their long-term illnesses had taken a turn. Like they had been fine, quote unquote, fine managing, but like they weren't really fine, but they were doing what they could, and that summer their illnesses took a turn. And when they passed, it was like rapid succession. They had been married for 53 years and uh, mother fell into a coma related to her diabetes. And then the next day, daddy had a seizure and they, he had been treated that summer for uh, Parkinson's related dementia. And after he had that seizure, the hospital, uh, the doctor decided to do an MRI at the hospital and they found that he had brain tumors, not dementia. And so he came home for hospice. I came home to see mother in a coma and see daddy in hospice. And I'm still in denial at this point because they had been fine for so long. (laughs) Fine and in love for 50 years, chugging along with a happy marriage. Like let's, and let's put in love on the table. Let's put a pen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 50 years (laughs) anyway. I don't know about I love, mean, but 50 years. The, the long-term, like, love of, like, I'm not leaving. Like, they had a joke, like, whoever leaves first is taking the kids. Because they had four kids. <laughs> whoever leaves is taking the kids first. So, uh, they don't leave because you have to take the kids. Yeah, so they never <laughs> left. So, we all, all four of us. take kids. care of four kids by myself, right? See? <laughs> Except Sharon. I want Sharon. She's funny. Well, yeah. But uh, they didn't know that till a lot later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, so, my, whole family, my, my whole family is funny. So uh, okay. like I, I had to do what I could to get get my jokes in. And but, so, uh, so the script kind of, you know, you were doing that as a one woman show. And now it's a script that's uh, just rocking the festivals. 
Yeah, like I did what most of us do and just like sublimate our pain and make it into jokes. I mean, that's that's how we cope. Most of us who are comedians we cope with our sense of humor. And so, yeah, it, it's like the first set I did. Do you know uh, Ed Sullivan on Acid, the show that's yeah, been going? Yeah, um, Pat O'Shea started it and Calvin Cato runs it now. Uh, but I was already booked to be on that show when I got back in September and I decided to just go and Uh-oh. like I got there and I'm like crying and <laughs> no, I think Chrissy Mary did the same fucking thing oh, and it's yeah? like and then afterwards you're like can't I give myself a single fucking day to grieve well but yeah how'd, how'd the set go first yeah it went great because <gasps> I just like I, I couldn't do any of my old jokes and like I got there and I was crying. And I told Pat what happened. He said, you don't have to be here. And I just said, I don't know where else to be, you know, oh, the comedian like, this, in you. Oh. these are my people. And this is uh-huh. like my church in a way and like yeah. community. And, and so when I got up and I just told the truth around, you know, the culture of funerals and grief and death and dying and, you know, like how like casseroles just started showing up at the house and you didn't know where they <laughs> from and uh i ate more fried chicken that month than i've ever eaten in my whole life and uh, uh, like i didn't know I, I knew this many good cooks yes yes and just uh like the woman who like after mother came home after she was uh she never came out of her coma and she came home for hospice and like there was one day that my sister came downstairs and there was a stranger standing over our mother pushing on her <gasps> saying ruth wake up I called you two weeks ago and nobody returned my phone call. <laughs> Who the fuck was that person? We didn't know. Wow. Uh, I, also, I also like the, the fact that you could say it's supernatural. You could be like, that was God saying that he almost took her two weeks ago. Why did, but why didn't God return the phone call like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So I got up and just shared that and sharing the laughs with people helped me take a step forward and probably Chrissy felt something similar like you need to find some way to step forward because like for me I got back to my apartment in Astoria after two funerals in a month and I fell in my bed I never want to get out again because I just felt so overwhelmed and so defeated and like such a failure because I had such a a timeline for success set up in my head of, <laughs> you know, like this that is didn't include parents' happen. death, huh? Right. And then, like, I'm going to get a TV show and then I'll give my mother something to not shut up about because she'll be bragging, you know, like, yeah. and so it was not just the death of my parents, but the death of that dream of my success with uh-huh. my parents and the dream of sharing things with him. Like, anytime, like, since then, and it's, it comes and goes with intensity, but like, if I see Pete, people's parents come to see them it kills me a little bit uh-huh. just a little bit but like but it's okay because like I'm I love that they have that and I appreciate it you know like yeah. but it it's a little bit of like when you when you break up and you see couples in love it's like that but with parents you know because <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's like the thing that really killed me when I came back to the city was like seeing new parents with their like toddler or baby infant children like being sweet with them it just like oh, drag the <laughs> dive, dig the the knife in deeper. Because uh, you're like, at one point, my parents were that sweet with me. At one point, yes, yeah. were. That's but, so funny. Like, like you're like, well, oh, comedians, comedians' parents don't often go to the show, so it doesn't happen too often. You're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not crushed too often. You know, yeah. comedians' parents don't love them that much. But when they've been was, to one show, but not the tenth show. 
Well, uh, yes, <laughs> but they do come to improviser shows. Funny enough, so. <laughs> Yeah, because you do it, you do it all, and, and it's like, yeah. How did you kind of turn that that show into something that was what movie length? The script, I it presume, is, is it was a short film or a, a it's long a film TV or a TV pilot. show? It's a TV uh, pilot. So, uh, I've taken the world that I I've written about the experience, and I turned it into a one person show. And I, in this pilot and in the series, I've set up character Sharon to go home to face uh, the deaths of her parents, but then she ends up moving back to Mississippi. And she's a comedian. Yes. Is she going to do a comedy in Mississippi? Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how do you leave the pilot? Like, yeah, what what avenues can it go to? Is it just a funny person who's, who's kind of coping with... You know, not only the death of her parents, but moving from a big city with all, you know ample opportunity to with, Mississippi. To Mississippi, and then she's a medium-sized fish in a small pond again. Yeah. And so Hattiesburg is where I'm from, and Todd Berry has a a road journal uh, called "Thank You for Coming to Hattiesburg." Okay. And it's based on his experiences of going to small like college towns, and that's what Hattiesburg is. Oh. And they do get like touring comics stopping there because it's not far from New Orleans, the Gulf Coast. And so when people are, are doing road work, they can get gigs in Hattiesburg and okay. like stop over. Um, so there are opportunities for storylines that way. There are opportunities uh, for oh, so you're, so you're, like you open for them and they still they bring you stories from the big city. <laughs> that and uh there's a lot going on in mississippi like politically culturally uh, right now because the state flag uh yeah. is finally they're taking the confederate battle flag out uh and there's a whole like they're still deciding on what the design is uh, does that, that make its way into a pilot like uh, you know did that happen at such a point where you can kind no, of reference it, that at all in your script it makes it into a five season story arc because there's plenty of room for, this is the thing. Like when I've just pitched the idea to people, there's, they ask like, well, what else can happen? Yeah. Well, a lot can happen. And <laughs> I, I have, yeah, now after black lives matter and, you know, racial protest across the country and Confederate flags. I mean, there's a lot to explore now. There's that there's healthcare. Uh, Mississippi is dead last in a lot of like important statistics uh, for yeah. states. Diabetes uh, was part of the story. Number one. Uh, uh, but, you know, I ate as much fried chicken in that month as I have any time. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that wasn't just for grief. That was just Tuesday. Okay. Well, I didn't know. I did, though. I did. I, I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> no, that's just Tuesday. That's, that's yeah. kind of how the diabetes thing happened. That's how. Uh, but sometimes it's hereditary and sometimes you just have it. So, yeah. uh, but they're there are opportunities for other storylines and it's, it's also like a, it's a family. It's a, it's a 30 minute, uh, comedy, but it's, I wouldn't say a sitcom so much as like, um, a series more like, like arrested development meets like six feet under Okay. with a big, uh, flavor of Rami. Like I love how Rami put, have you seen his show? No, not yet. Uh, highly recommend good, yeah, yeah, it's very good. He takes elements of his real life and they put it into this 30-minute format and it's funny, but it's also like 
very touching and very poignant and hard hitting and gross sometimes. And like, but he, you, you kind of root, you root for him. And so uh, I have been sober about six and a half years now. Okay. And at the time that my parents died, I was not sober at all. And <laughs> uh, so I that's just, more, that's an, another opportunity for a storyline or a time. Oh, so many. Uh, but there, I, I had just gone through a very painful divorce and was living in New York City, trying to make it, dealing with rejection, you know, like My building Lord. it. Right. Right. You're saying all this stuff is actually true. You're saying that. I mean, I guess you never did move home, but you're saying in the in the script, though, in the script, the, the, the true things are the fact that you were still drinking at the time, but you were also going through a divorce, which the drinking and the divorce thing were true. The divorce happened that uh, came through at the beginning of 2010. So like the year before, okay. year and a half before they passed away. OK, so just like as I felt like I was getting my bearings from that the two people who had turned into like my person after that. Cause like with most people in the relationships with parents that ebbs and flows kind of, and like I turned to them for help as my marriage was ending and they really became like my touchstones more than ever Yeah. until they started like, you know, becoming more ill over the summer and then they passed away. But then when they were gone and really gone, it made me just realize how very alone I was. And Oh, you're saying your parents were your, your touchstone, um, you know, through the divorce and then yeah. they died. Oh my yeah. gosh. There's so much. And then because you're a divorcee at that point, you can find love again. There's 4,000 avenues. Great job. And I guess, <laughs> I guess that, le that leads me to the question. I mean, of course you were going through this hellish hellscape that has all these avenues for hilarious storylines, but does, does the festival look out for that? Like in, in being admitted to all these festivals, are they, are they looking at like, Oh shit, this thing really has an opportunity to be successful because of all these storylines or is like, is it festival politics or something like that? Like, do they look for this thing is going to be successful or do they look at the script as well written? I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm kind of just throwing pasta at the wall. Is that the expression to see what's sure. But I mean, a lot Having, of it's sticking, a lot of it's sticking though. So that at some point you're like, I got some pretty yeah. sticky pots, pasta. I'm not just going to have that for dinner because it's already made and I don't want to waste food because. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's on the wall because I can just put it on my plane. The wall now. is clean. I don't walk on the wall. It's fine. <laughs> the wall is clean. I don't walk on the wall. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so do they, do they look at just, oh, this thing is well written? Or, I mean, I, in your case, they probably are like, first of all, it's well-written. Second of all, uh, this actually happens where, and third of all, there's about 4,000 avenues for where it could go. I and don't, we don't look bad politically for just kind of accepting a submission that has to do with race, et cetera. But it, but it can. like it. Yeah, yeah meaning like, like it totally can have to do with race. And so, of course, that's one thing in its favor. Of course, if I were a festival, I'd be more likely to admit it for several reasons. One of which is it's going to deal with race. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. And it does. And uh, I, I don't know how different festivals make their selections. And I don't know that they think much beyond what they get on the page because from the submission process and from seeing the accepted, the other pieces that are accepted, I don't know that they have time to go through and think about so many other people's stuff. 
So yeah. what all I can do is be in charge of me and what I have. So what I what I'm using the festival circuit for is to get more eyes on the piece that could lead to legitimate like conversations about production yeah. and uh, have a pitch Bible put together. I have a five season story arc for the main character and some of the other characters. That's the thing I need to really push through and, and finish. But I know, I know how Sharon's five season story arc goes. Right. And so, uh, I mean, you, you, these are things that you write down because you know, at the first meeting of any sort of pitch, they might ask questions like, all right, give me this, this, uh, what pitch Bible or whatever. Like right. these are things you've researched and you know, you have to have ready in yes. the event there's ever a first meeting. Yes. Okay. And another thing that I've learned is a lot of people go through festival circuit and nothing gets produced. And that's a reality of anything, like anything that we do in comedy. Like you can, that's kind of why I, uh, like you said, you, that I do it all like improv st stand up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, it there's nothing of this is guaranteed so my primary focus is to always have a project going and to always have fun with it and this yeah. is still very fun it feels fruitful and like if something becomes too hard and it's not easy and obvious i just i put it down and come back to it later because there's nothing okay. wrong with that yeah absolutely because there's you know? a time for everything like there's might be a time that you're more equipped to tackle you know, some difficult subject matter or something. But but I love the fact, too, I mean, you're, you're writing this, you're coming up with hilarious autobiographical jokes that even if it doesn't get picked up, you could just put in your stage show. Sure. And yeah. I, and, yeah. And then would you put this on? Like, I got a, I got Michelle Drozdick. She's a former guest, and she did a one-man oh, show about her. alcoholism. Yeah. yeah and then there's great. another one. Yeah, Julie, Julie Pinheiro is doing one about kind of the death of a loved one and grief and things. And mm -hmm, she did mm -hmm. hers, I think, through Experimental Bitch, I think it's called. But, huh. like, so I think there's, you know, there's kind of a do-it-yourself thing or maybe do it with help of grants or whatever. Like, if this thing doesn't get picked up via the festival circuit, you know, can we look forward to, you know, going to the pit or the pit loft or the striker stage and seeing Sharon Spell do this? one person show uh as it is now i would probably try to get a cast of characters because like when i did this i did do this as a one person storytelling show and i'm glad that i did it but as i did it it was more like beginning middle end true story yeah. and i relived my parents deaths every time i did it and i think <laughs> that, that sucks <laughs> yeah but i think it was necessary for a certain amount of time but then it okay. was also time like it didn't feel easy and obvious anymore and it was time to put yeah. that aside and but if i did this as a live stage show i would want it to be cast with actors i would hire a director hire actors and like make it into something that was more collaborative and alive with other people's input. Yeah, because you probably have encountered enough actors over your time to know that, man, there's some people who could really fucking nail the, the words on the page, but also, I don't know, kind of add an additional layer or something. Like sometimes, you know, people with comedic acting chops or I suppose even dramatic acting chops could take your words and bring them to life in a way that maybe you couldn't if you were just reading them off the page. And part of the project of this pilot, uh, some of the intel I've gotten is to make a sizzle reel okay. of some of the pages. And so a year ago this month, August, when we're recording this, uh, I did take on a big project to hire a director, hire actors, and uh, like a professional camera person, editor, 
to make, we recorded six pages of the 34 pages of the pilot script. Okay. And put that together to for a promotional tool to accompany the pilot. And, and how do you do that? Do you get other actors to read their parts? Yes. And okay. I do know, like, just from, like, I'm from Mississippi, and so people hear my accent. And I also pay attention to accents and where people are from. So the people that I got to play the Southerners are from Southern states. Okay. And uh, just like told them like you're we're not country we live in the city but we are in the south and they yeah. nailed it you know yeah. and were they were the comedians too uh yeah one is kendall ketchum who oh, played sure. my sister um uh jonathan Gregg is from alabama he's been on uh showtime and he was on uh high maintenance Oh, cool. If you've ever watched that, uh, he was on the episode that takes place the day after the election. Uh, if you know it, you know. Do you know it? No, but that sounds hilarious. Okay. That uh, sounds hilarious. Especially uh, if was he delivering to the South? Is he always uh, in New York City, no. the high maintenance guy? No. Where's he delivering the, to? What do you mean delivering? Well, high maintenance is that we delivery guy. Right? Oh, no, no. He He's one of the people getting delivered to. So, yeah, and so on high maintenance, though, is the weed delivery guy always based in New York City, or does he deliver nationwide? So it's the same guy, but, like, he, the guy, Jonathan Gregg, plays a guy, like, he's in a hotel scene. Okay. It's so, just, like, a southern guy in the city or something? No, 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 he doesn't have an accent in this. I'm just saying, like, okay. if you know this scene, you <laughs> you know it. If you don't Good. know it, like, it's something Good. to, yeah. I gotta, I gotta fire that shit out, because then I'm like, <laughs> and, and what character is that in your in your thing? He plays uh, my one of my brothers, and then Brian Foss plays the other brother, and Kendall plays my sister. Um, Tolly Robinson plays my best friend from there. She's the character is a combination of a bunch of people, and uh, let's see, uh, Darrell Hunt plays uh, kind of like the Newman character. <laughs> at the bar it's kind of newman character he's kind of like newman as newman meets uh rhoda like he's kind of jealous and hating but also kind of endearing and sweet and like yeah i gotta i gotta fire up the high maintenance because i want to say that's sharon spell's brother in this script she's got coming up but i love it so much i i love that you're taking the the, just the awful fucking grief and turning it into five seasons of television at least so sharon's Dude, yeah, Sharon Spell. I mean, I know I follow you across social platforms. You're Sharon Spell at Twitter and Instagram, but also SharonSpell.com. Yeah, that's right, Brian Coppin. So, oh, I can't wait to see this thing get made. Sharon Spell, thank you let's, so much. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs>